I am going out into the middle of nowhere to turn five acres of desert into a permaculture oasis. Please join me on my journey. So the seller of the parcel I'm looking to buy did not go for my counter. Um, they didn't want to give me any refund if the deal didn't go, you know, if I didn't, like if, if I didn't end up having the money to pay it all off, they weren't going to refund me. They were going to take my money and the property. Um, so it wasn't looking very good, but then out of nowhere the the listing agent came up with this new idea that's that I really like and it's it allows me to get my money back and it allows me to not even have to make payments so basically what she said was why don't we just have you pay the down payment you were going to pay um and then um it'll hold the property for you for 6 months while we try to sell your property and then if the, your property doesn't sell within six months, then you'll get your money back and we'll take the property back. And I was just like, that sounds great. <laughs> that works for me. And um, I'm not going to, I'm just going to sort of work with them on a on this instead of try to go through like getting these, you know, special types of deeds or whatever. I think it's a fair deal. And um, I think they're probably pretty decent people. They've been living in the community for a long time. Um, and she's been a realtor for 30 years, she said. So I doubt that they're trying to scam anyone. Um, so it's a little, it's a little nervous. It makes me a little nervous with the fact that they're going to write something up where I get my money back if for some reason I can't come up with the money or really if I can't sell the, she, if she can't sell my property within six months. So I think it's very reasonable. Um, and it, it's just a lot more comfortable for me. And I, and yeah, she suggested it. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And then what that also allows me to do is try to save the money on my own as well during that six months. And if I can do that, then I would be able to have that contingency. I don't know if I'll be able to do it because I'm still looking for a job. And in fact, I'm thinking that if I don't get a job like really quickly, I might have to head out of here temporarily and go find a town or city to go live in and work, you know, just get some kind of job. Um, I guess I could try to find a job in town here, but I don't really think there are any jobs. And it's sort of, I don't know, I don't know that they would even pay anything. And it's, it's like a 40-minute commute to work. It, it just would be... It'd be interesting. Um, but it's just as far as something to live on, maybe. But really, finding a remote job is really what I'm hoping that I can do. I do have an interview on... Uh, I can't remember what day it is next week for a remote contract job. But um, it could potentially become a permanent position if it's a good fit. It's for the National Park Service. So, you know, I'm not going to be too hopeful because I've just been striking out. But uh, at least the, the land deal morphed into something way better. It got 
it got better. It improved rather than got worse. So there's, I'm doing something right. <laughs> you know, law of attraction wise. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to mention that and, um, I'm really going to try to do whatever I have to do to, to get that piece of land. Cause I think it's a really special piece of land. And I was, I put it, I put like a, it was a Google earth image. I think it was a blurry one. Um, but I think that that's the grit level or what do you call that? Um, the grain level pixelation. Oh gosh. I can't think of the name for that <laughs> that Google earth has available. Um, I did hear that, that, Google Earth had recently updated um, and taken more photos of the area, like updated its photos of the area. So I might check just to see if they're any better, but I doubt it. Um, you know, I don't know that they like have better drones or something like that. It, you'd think they would, but I, I don't know. Um, I guess I can check. So it's um, impossible to tell any kind of topography lines. I did look at a topo map, but it, I don't, I don't know that it's been surveyed or that it, 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 it could possibly be that it really is just kind of a downward slope in one direction, but I just doubt it because of the, yeah, I think there's got to be a bowl somewhere on that property for it to be. It's basically almost entirely covered in plant material, if you can believe that. I mean, it's literally, there's, there's a little tiny corner to the very far southwest of the property that's dry that's barren it's a little tiny little corner and then there's um a kind of more sparse sparsely um planted i, I don't want to say planted because this is not planted it's it's a natural ecosystem uh it's like a micro ecosystem within a larger system that's totally different from it um but in the front of the property the road that the sort of the turnaround driveway that was put in by the seller uh kind of it kind of brackets this sort of drier part but there's still a ton of plants in it and you know it's just kind of a little more it's different than the rest of the property and then to the far you know sort of to the to the west kind of on the the north northwest corner it gets a little sparser, but there's still just trees and plants covering it for, for the most part. Um, I, I haven't explored it on foot. I would like to just to check it, you know, check it out and really see what I'm dealing with. Because that's the area where I want to do, um, you know, uh, camping. Like, it's, I guess you could call it primitive camping, but I kind of want to do glamping. Um, but anyway, so it's it's got plant matter covering the whole, almost the whole five acres and it's just there's yeah i just it's worth it so i'm gonna go for it and um it looks like some things are working in my favor and i'm sort of crossing my fingers because <laughs> it's a big long shot really and um i'm gonna have to figure something out with regard to money very soon so you may you may see that this podcast changes quite drastically or takes a pause here fairly soon um, while I figured that out and it would be temporary, but it would be, you know, coming up soon, probably, unless I can find a remote job. (laughs) 
Well, it would appear that I got lucky because I had returned a signed copy of the updated contract. And then I went and read through it to double check it again afterward. And I realized I had forgotten. They had they had not put in the part about me getting my deposit back if the property my property doesn't sell in six months. And I had forgotten to add that in and I was kicking myself because it looks kind of weird or looks unprofessional or whatever to say, oh, disregard that copy. But I did it anyway. I fixed it and sent them a new copy. And then I hadn't heard from them. It had been a couple days. And so I was kind of wondering what was going on. And so I reached out and I was just like, you know, I don't know. Did you get the contract? And they're like, we didn't get one. And I was like, huh, okay. And then so the guy came and got the check today for the deposit. And he said that he hadn't gotten it. And I'm kind of like, huh, I emailed it to your actual email address. And um, I never heard back from either one of them at all today. So I was really confused. I got another DocuSign kind of a thing. It wasn't DocuSign, but it was something like that from their, like, assistant or whatever. But it was just another, like, of the, you know, the copy I didn't want to sign. So I went and double checked who the actual address that was being replied to was and sure enough it was totally not their address at all it was like the DocuSign or whatever um email address and I was just like how did I do that but the mistake is perfect though because that means I didn't send them a signed copy without that clause written into the contract and so I was able to go and hunt for an email that had their actual email on it and send a fresh single copy of the signed contract as agreed with all the clauses in there that should be in there. Um, and so now it's paid and it's signed. And so hopefully they don't get weird on me um, because that was exactly what she offered me. And for some reason she didn't put it in the contract. I don't know why. I have no idea why, but I definitely wasn't comfortable with that. So I just added it in, signed it. I paid. So hopefully there's no issue. There really shouldn't be any issue because I just added what was what was agreed to, but I'm I'm just a little nervous because they, I don't know why they didn't put it in there. So I'm still waiting to receive the countersigned contract, <clears throat> but I did get a hold of the. Uh, listing agents, I guess, I don't know, contracts assistant who said she was going to get it to me, but it's, you know, I was thinking she might do it on Monday. So hopefully that gets done. Um, so because it includes a payment receipt section that needs to be filled out. Um, but why I really wanted to make an, a podcast recording segment, whatever, is because I just did a little impromptu uh, tree tour to go and check out and videotape all the trees that I've established in the property. I actually missed two because I just discovered two more trees. So I counted, I think 21, so that would be 23. 23 trees have survived and are thriving and looks like they're gonna make it. Now that could change, right? If I leave the property, there won't be like the weekly, um, or, you know, sometimes every four days or whatever in the summer, um, filling up a clay pot. But most of these trees are mesquites. And I think actually, yeah, I think that I'm only counting mesquites. Um, so I've actually got more like, probably like 
25 trees, something like that, um, established. But anyway, a lot of these mesquites, um, if they're big enough, they will have deep tap roots. Even the little ones have fairly large tap roots. Um, it can be like a foot for like a tiny little two inch tree, a foot deep of tap root for that tiny of a tree. So, um, they do have a chance and we only had two rainstorms this monsoon really. Um, and so even with just that, these trees are established. That last rainstorm we had where it rained all night, um, didn't rain really hard, but it rained, you know, fairly decent amount. It was like, I would call it a real rain. Um, and it just rained all night long, which is really a nice steady in input of rain. Um, I think that's just what everything needed. It was that last little push that they needed to really kind of start to thrive. So it was a really exciting, delightful thing. I was filling clay pots and I thought, you know, I'm discovering new trees have been established. These are seeds I put in the ground, put into the, the swales and berms I did. And I just got inspired. And so I walked around and I did little short clips of pretty much every tree that I know of, except for I missed those two new ones, which I did put a flag out for and dumped a little water on, but I should probably do some clay pots for them because I think they might actually be Wiesatch. They don't really look too much like mesquites, but they are just barely coming up, right? So um, I'm not sure what to do with those, but it's exciting. And then I ended up going up to the check dam because I was like, you know, I might as well just capture all the trees that I've got going. And I was blown away because with that second rain, oh my gosh, it's just this meadow. I basically regreened the desert up there. It's this beautiful, lush meadow. There's just flowers everywhere. I got some footage of like this unknown variety of a bee, native bee, two of them hunkering down to go to sleep inside of flowers on this big sunflower plant that was four feet tall. And it was just a, it was just a dreamy delight to see that. And it was like right as the sun, you know, had set and it was like that glow um, of that part of the day. Just beautiful. And there's like just the breeze blowing and moving the grasses and the flowers. And oh my God, it was like heaven up there. And all it is, is just infiltration of water, stormwater, and very little stormwater at that. I mean, granted, my property does get a nice big flow of water across it, but we only got two rainstorms. And that second storm, there wasn't really a flow. It was just a fairly, it, I wouldn't say it was a light rain, but it was a moderate rain overnight. And, you know, nothing, it wasn't any water flowing or anything like that. It wasn't like a big mega, you know, like that first one. So I guess the reason why I think it's noteworthy, I mean, it's just noteworthy in the first place because of the trees. I mean, hell yeah. But I think it's noteworthy too, because being that I'm making a move to, pardon the pun, move uh, to onto a different property, I think it's really encouraging for me to see that. I, I really kind of hadn't gone out and checked on those for a while. And... Um, it's just such a beautiful thing to see in the sense that, you know, I mean, one of the last little segments I recorded was all about how, you know, a one woman and a shovel can't really do it. But, you know, to a large degree, I did. You know, there's trees established and those trees are going to become the foundation for ecosystem regeneration because they'll provide shade. One of the most beautiful things I saw, <laughs> which I hadn't seen before to this degree was, and I knew that there had been organic material 
coming in with the with the with the water and being deposited into the the swales you know and in, in the check dam and i got to see this um you know i'd been wondering because I, I haven't really seen any plants sprouting up in them i've been wondering when it was going to happen or if and it's happening finally almost two years in i've got little ground cover plants little perennials just coming up with this natural layer of mulch and the hydrated soil column uh, based on the infiltration that's being allowed just by that depression that I've created. And it's, it's really incredible to see. I mean, it's, it's like really heavenly up there with all these beautiful plants just waving in the breeze and you know, what a, what a nice result really. And um, so I, I guess that the proof of concept is definitely there. Now I had that check dam done by a piece of equipment but I directed the work. I still, I still think that that's, you know, it, it's different from this, you know, this shovel swales, you know, kind of thing. But I did one wide, or I should say deep. Yeah, I know it's wide. It's because that's usually how I measure a swale is 18 inches minimum width. But this swale is probably like five feet wide at its widest. And I just you know, kind of just worked on it and made it, it took a while, but I got it to be that wide and the berm isn't big enough. So it did have a blowout at the, at the trigger, um, the weak point where I had mentioned before about this, I got the contour a little wrong. Cause I was just kind of eyeballing it. Um, but it, it's probably going to have a similar impact, although it doesn't, it's not big enough. Like the berm, I, like I said, to really actually just like hold the water. There's too much water coming through the system in a big storm and it just, it, it needs to be constructed better. So I still do believe that you do need equipment to really be able to recover a desert. But I mean, even most of the trees that I've got going that I've established are not up in the check dam, you know? So even, you know, isolated swales will have a big impact and like I said, I just shoved pods, you know, in, and I, I don't remember now all the things that I shoved around the perimeter of that check dam, but there's a variety of seeds and, you know, some of those grasses that are established there, I saw at least three species of grasses up there, probably more like four. Um, they could be seed that I put in, the, in there. I don't know. Cause I had so many seeds that I, I did finally walk around and try to put them out. And most of them, I don't think they germinated <clears throat> in the smaller swales. Because they're just not, you know, really significant enough to really hold water, hold enough water. Um, but that check dam is really, it was probably one of the best things I did on the property. So it's uh, in future Google Earth surveys, it's going to be this little green spot. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to share that because it's a delight and it's a success. And I am leaving this property a lot better than what it was when I found it. It now has the ability to hold water at the road, even with the blowouts. It's got trees established all along the road. I've got at least seven trees established on the road um, on both sides of the property. So that's going to just create even more anchoring and the ability to hold and capture more organic debris as the water comes. It'll provide shade for other plants. Um, you know, it'll root and anchor that road edge that was just this windswept barren, you know, just <laughs> drainage way essentially when I got here. So it is really exciting to see the changes that I was able to accomplish. Um, even though I really didn't work as many hours as I wanted to, and all I had was a shovel really, 
So, yeah, it's it's a really kind of an exciting special moment, actually, because I had kind of haven't really thought about it in a while. And um, it's a, it's a it's a bright, hopeful note for me. You know, if I do end up getting to complete the land deal and move on to the the patch, <laughs> um, I will know that I left the property, this property so much better off and gave it at least, you know, over 20 trees, um, you know, established over 20 new trees on it and, you know, really helped a new ecosystem, like a, the desert recover its native ecosystem, you know, and there might be, there's a, probably a few things that I added that, you know, maybe they're not native. I don't know, but my take on it is I don't do any invasives at all. And, um, you know, whatever survives, you know, is, kind of it's it has a right to be here and that's um as long you know and again because i'm not bringing in invasives i think that's the key there um but that's like that's uh i think masanobu fukuoka i think yeah that's his that was his philosophy that i kind of wanted to follow when i came out here with all the seeds that i brought out here and i'm excited that i still have a lot of seeds actually because when i do move on to my new property if it all goes through because i'm not totally sure it's all going to go through yet so it is kind of a little bit of an if still even though i've committed um, I will be able to really shove seeds in the ground and I think they have a better chance of actually germinating. Even though there is no swale action, the property is, like I said, it's this, it's its own ecosystem within a larger desert ecosystem. It's, it's just covered in plants and has friable soil. And so I feel like there is definitely going to be a water column established underground for capillary action. And, um, there may not even be a need to do swaling. I do want to dig a pond and, you know, just have something to, you know, just that piece of water is, it's unmatchable. It's very special. And I was born on a houseboat, so it, it really brings me back a sense of home when the check dam is full and that water, that wind ripples across the water. It's, oh, it's like the most peaceful feeling I think I've ever had in my life. And it's just like, you just want to snuggle into it and just sit there forever but the mosquitoes you know then start whining in your ear and then you're like gotta go <laughs> but anyway so i'd say a good 25 trees have been established on this property so it hasn't all been a loss <laughs> not that i thought it was all a loss but yeah So I'm on the new property right now. I just came here to going to dump trash and it's on the same road. And it's just like wind in the trees and wind in the grass. It's phenomenal. And I had heard a bunch of um, engines a few days ago over in this direction. And I'm seeing that on the property across the road from this parcel, which I believe belongs to a woman that um, a friend knows, uh, she had left for a while it looks like she has put two shipping containers on that property and they're pretty far apart so maybe that she's going to back and occupy her property which i would welcome because i like having neighbors and um he seems to think she's nice so it's a good good vote for me um because i think he's got good judgment and uh it's so interesting that that just happened they're really far apart, so I wonder what she's going to do. 
Maybe she's gonna live in one of them and rent the other one out. Well, it's been an interesting morning so far. The power went out again last night, as it has been every single night for the past maybe month or two. And when I turned the power back on this morning, the uh, router did not come back on. So I had to walk over into the desert to try to get a signal from the neighbor's open Wi-Fi and um, call the company to come out and take a look, because I have no internet today until they do. Um, and then last night was really interesting. It was the main reason I want to make it this recording. Um, I had, I was woken up around 4.15 in the morning by the dog barking and it was too bad because I was in a really nice deep sleep. So it was kind of frustrating, but, uh, you know, it's always a good thing when she barks about something because she doesn't just bark about nothing. Um, that's one of the things I like about her. So there was this, I started to kind of hear this sound and I was like, is there water? What is that? What is that sound? And I realized it was like this, I don't know how to describe it. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with rattlesnakes. I've only had the one that visited the before. Um, but this sounded like multiple rattlesnakes. It was like this, it, it, it sounded to me like there was a river of rattlesnakes passing by my compound. They were overlapping in waves and it was actually qu quite beautiful. I mean, it was like really kind of otherworldly. And I opened the screen on in my loft and stuck my head out the window to just get a better sense of what I was hearing and try to locate where it was coming from. And sure enough, it was coming from the greenhouse. And I had put out, um, I had filled this reed tray with water because this toad has been getting into my dog's watering thing because it has like a two, about a one and a half gallon um, you know, contain, container and it'll like, you know, it'll like, uh, what's the word? It'll drip down and, you know, so she always has water. And there's been this toad that's been getting into that and, and hanging out in there. <laughs> and I don't know if he just got left behind when all the other toads went into the mud, but the poor guy, you know, he's looking for water. And I used to, he used, I think was probably the same toad or maybe just one of his friends that used to go into the greenhouse when I had that pan with water, kind of several inches of water usually because of the reeds that I have. You know, I've got a, a reed that I bought for the wetland and um, it wasn't looking so good. So, cause I hadn't done that in a long time. So I just started filling it up again, I think yesterday. And um, yeah, so I think that that's what was happening was there was a snake or snakes that had come through and were thirsty and went in there and got some water. And my dog was, um, barking incessantly. And it was interesting too, because I could, I could hear the difference in her bark. You know, I could tell that it was an alarming bark. And, you know, at first, before I could hear the sound of the snakes, I figured it was just another javelina or coyote off, you know, somewhere, but it started to sound really alarming. Like she was like, no. And then at one point she actually jumped on my front door. She like, you know, jumped up on the front door to like, let me know. And I'm like, okay, I need to check it out. And, um, you know, I didn't know what to do because the power was out. I couldn't, you know, there were certain things I couldn't do. And I wasn't, I didn't feel safe going out there and trying to get into the shed and turn on the, you know, pumps. I could use the hose and like all that because it was just dark. Um, 
but it was really an interesting experience on multiple levels. One, I got to know my dog a little better and learn her comms, as it were, which is really helpful, and just understand her capacity, too, that she really does, like, you know, it's not just all one note at all. It's, you know, she really was like, Mom, you need to know there's something, there's a threat out here, you know, and she was like doing her job. It was really good. It was really good. And then the other really neat thing about it was the sound that the snake or snakes were making. I mean, it was like, just so neat. And I know it's dangerous and all that, but it was like, also very beautiful. The sound of that, I don't think I'll ever forget that. It was just this like coursing waves of sound overlapping you know, really neat. I mean, it sounded like water to me. It sounded a lot like water. And uh, I just found the mystical beauty of it. What are you doing? What? 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 Oh, did I get like, there's a little scrap of internet that someone texted me just now. <laughs> I'm like hanging on a little thread from the neighbor, the B&B down the road. Hello, baby. Are you bored already? Are you bored already? Did you already get to run around? And what did you do? They got you in trouble. You chased the kitty. So you're a bad doggy. And then you're back on your zipline. You were very good last night. So yeah, that was my second rat rattlesnake encounter. And I'm aware that moving onto a patch of land covered in grass is going to mean more snakes. You know, that's, that's something that I'm kind of mentally preparing myself for. But I think that there will be ways to handle it. And one of the reasons I think that is because of last night was confirmed to me that the snake was making noise because it felt threatened. And as soon as I removed the threat, it stopped immediately. And it's not here anymore. I think if it were, she would know. I would, we, you know, even if it's not making a noise, because sometimes they don't rattle, she would know. She would sense that it was, it was there and she would do something about it. And that's one of the great things about having a dog. Hi. So it really was just a snake traveling through, getting some water, and moving on. So there's really, I don't see that as a threat. I see that as just another being, just another creature, just making its way through the world, you know, not trying to start any trouble. Just, you know, it, it's just trying to make a living just like I am. And, and it seems like that was confirmed for me experientially last night. And that's a really good sign because it means I can kind of work with them by being respectful of their, you know, right to be in the world. And I've done, I've explored a few instances I was able to find. Come here. Come here. Come on. I'll let you off again if you want. Come here. You have to come here though. It's like when you bring the toy and you won't actually drop it so I can throw it for you. <laughs> come here. You have to come here so I can undo your thing. Okay, fine. Um, where like farmers, for instance, have, have communicated. There was this one that I'll, I really, it really stands out in my mind. It was a farmer in Australia I can't remember the crop, but he had kangaroos coming in to his fields and eating his crop. And at one point, he finally just walks out into the field and he just says, like, you know, just like you'd talk to anybody. He just says out loud, he just says, okay, I understand that you need to eat, and but these are my crops. This is my family's livelihood. So, you know, I will give you the, t the outer 10 feet of depth. You can go around the whole perimeter of the crop field and have that 10 feet of depth of crop. That's yours. I'll give that to you, provided that you don't come any into any any more of it. You leave the rest for me and my family and our livelihood. And the next time they came, that's exactly what they did. And they did that for that point on. I mean, 
you know, and then you look at Anna Breitenbach and her work, you know, and her published work. It's really hard to find if you don't know what you're looking for. Like, you know, if you've never heard of Animal Communicator, why would you, you know what I mean? It's hard to find. I did see somebody posting a little portion from one of Anna Breitenbach's videos about the one about the Black Panther um, on social media the other day, which is great. It means it's kind of making its way around and people are learning about it. But, <clears throat> you know, I mean the way that she described it, I thought was extremely helpful because I know, say, I know animals are sentient. That's to me really obvious. All creatures are. And I've had direct communication with a lot of them just in terms of just talking to them. Like I talk to little kids, just like people, you know, and I talk to animals like people because they are people. Right. And I've always gotten a really good response from both um, <laughs> animals and kids, you know, cause a lot of times I think kids get talked down to, or they get, it's like they get kind of dismissed a little bit. Um, but they are, they're fully, they're fully conscious people. They're just, you know, young and they're, so they're emotionally immature and all that, but they're, they still have a full range of like, you know, experiential, you know, response and feelings and all that thoughts, needs. So I'm saying, same with animals. And it's just, it's still kind of just, it's weird to me that like as a society, we haven't accepted that yet, that, that animals are sentient it, it's, it's really weird to me. It's like, it's like that I think is one of the sticking points in human evolution that until we realize and recognize this fact, we're not going to evolve. We're just sort of stuck. It's weird though. It's like so obvious to me, but, and then again, I, you know, I have some extra abilities of some kind and I have had really weird direct experiences with animals, um, to show me, but, you know, and I'm also just kind of really sensitive and I pay attention and there's all kinds of reasons why I think I, you know, I believe that or I, I've, I wouldn't even say it's a belief at all. It's just an observation of fact. Um, so I think that if I just, you know, speak to the other beings, um, well, you know, when I get to that property, I can just say to them, you know, I accept that you're here. I, I hope you have a safe journey and, and, you know, something like that. And just say, you know, please, um, you know, I would really appreciate it if you would just stay away from my compound in my house, you know, my deck and go elsewhere and find shade somewhere else. There's other places where you can find shade. Um, and that way just, it's like a cooperative, peaceful, you know, acknowledgement that they are there too. And that, you know, if just asking them if they would please give me some space. I think that that's really all that's needed usually. So, but I mean, it, it literally was instant. As soon as I, you know, it wasn't when I first came outside, it wasn't like it stopped because it was like, oh, human, I'm scared at all. It kept going. And, you know, I, it was when I, it was when I spoke to the dog and got the dog by the collar and told the dog we were going inside and started bringing the dog over to the door. That's when the snake stopped. And I think that's extremely significant. Some people might miss that, right? Because it, it might not seem connected or you're distracted or you're in your head or whatever. But that was absolutely connected. The dog wouldn't shut up. She was harassing the snake. <laughs> so the snake was rattling. So as soon as the, you know, the human intervened and pulled the dog off, then the snake calmed down. And, you know, and so I think that's really neat. And so I'm hoping um, that I can, you know, I can do that there. Um one thing that I noticed is there's even more trees coming up. And in fact, even over on the east side of my compound where there's been um, the, you know, the sort of like the layer of straw that hasn't blown away because there, there'll be these like areas, little patches where the straw that I laid down 
would for whatever reason not quite blow away it would like blow itself into these little kind of patches like little islands and stuff and in those islands just like up at the patch are little ground cover plants all kinds of little plants coming up in those spaces so it's just really incredible and there's trees and even some places where there aren't uh, there's not any um, mulch you know a straw there's um there's a i saw a tree over in the corner and i only know that it was there because i was over there trying to make a call like you know holding the phone up and trying to get, get use use that neighboring wi-fi so there's even more trees and i was thinking like i probably should put in clay pots for them just to help them kind of you know have a little moisture to really get established because the more trees the merrier and they're in great spots they're over on the east side of the property um far enough away from where the house would be built by whoever um buys us you know far enough away from the RV to, you know, not cause any issues and would, would provide like great privacy. So, and I don't even think I put those seeds in because I don't, there would have been no reason for me to put seeds right there. It's just a flat area, but that overland, um, you know, that's, that soaking that you get, um, just when it rains, there's not even really any overland flow there. Cause we're on a high little, the little high point of the property, one of them. And so, yeah, even more trees. <laughs> <laughs> so I might do something to go try to support the trees to help them get established. And um, if I do have a couple of wesatch growing in that swale, I think I should probably dig them up, put them in pots and try to keep them alive because I want them. And also, uh, you know, without my support, they might not be able to make it. Maybe I'll take one or something. You know what I mean? But yeah, so that's my morning so far. I'm just sitting here um, on a little shred of internet in the hammock waiting for the uh t the uh internet company to come out here <laughs> um so yeah but yeah that was really neat experience with rattlesnakes this is kind of interesting and worthy of note so the big birds that roost over in the patch they just flew over my house and then went to the roost. Like, I was just coming back from a walk with the dog and the, they were like just going right over my, my house, very low too, just a few feet higher than the shelter. And then they all just roosted. Oh, they've never done that before, that's interesting. It, I mean, it makes me kind of wonder if they're saying hello, like we'll see you there later, you know, kind of thing. Huh, that's interesting. Come on, goober, dog. <laughs> She found a large piece of mulch, and <laughs> it's become her stick. I had this experience today of using my body in a real way and doing real work, and it was like kind of amazing after this summer being all hunkered down in the heat and not being able to move my body as much as like I'd say that the least of any time in my life really but today I was helping out I got like a little gig job helping out locally on a on a farm and got a little taste of what it was like to be a farmhand and I just loved it uh, first, I did a bunch of gardening, and, you know, I wasn't being micromanaged, so I was able to, like, 
you know, pile the weeds up as mulch on the ground and rescue the little um, saplings coming up around the main tree, you know, and pot them up. Um, stuff like that, that, that in many gardening jobs, people don't understand ecology. And so they think you have to cart away the clippings. And anyway, it was just really satisfying. And, you know, I just got to do what I thought needed to be done. And, you know, it was just, I haven't done, I haven't had a gardening job in a really long time. And that was so part of my tasks today. So it was a blast. And then I had this really unique experience for me, at least of being asked to, um, basically weatherize the leather on these carriages and there's like four different carriages horse carriages and there were two reasons why I really liked that a lot one was that the carriages themselves were these really well-built functional you know um, well-made objects and moving around on them in order to clean them meant using my body in a way that was real that I hadn't had the opportunity to use it or move it because it, I mean, stepping up into the, on the step, um, which is really just this little circular pad about as big as the palm of your hand, but it's perfectly placed so that you can get past that huge wheel and get up into the driver's seat, things like that. Um, and then the other reason I really liked it was because I discovered that I had to really rub very vigorously and hard into the leather in order to get the armor all like into the leather and get the dust out of the leather. And it was just really satisfying getting around all the nooks and crannies and corners and little lines of all that leather. It just was again, using the body in a way that's real and doing real work and working with a real material just was very satisfying. So I had a a really fun day Um, and, you know, got to work and that was just so satisfying. So I'm very grateful. Today was a blessing Um, and uh, came out of nowhere and I'm just very grateful and it was a really interesting experience. Um... The other thing I'll say is that I walked Doggo all the way from my property to the new property. And I didn't bring any water. I didn't bring anything. I didn't really plan anything. I just like, I was like, oh, let's just keep walking. You know, let's go in that direction. Let's see how far we can get. Oh, still going. Okay. And I walked all the way over there and all the way back. And I tried really hard to see my shelter from there. But there's just so much plant material and cover that it. there's a point where you get onto the property and you can't, you just can't see so I tried to keep it in sights, but by the time I got on, like at the property, it was just like, I, you know, but there's a chance that the, that the home site I chose is directly aligned with my current home site. And that's kind of weird, right? That's bizarre. But um, the properties are fairly lined up. There's a little bit of a jaggedness to the way that they did the parcels for some reason north and south, but, um, but they are fairly aligned. So, I mean, it's not out of the question. Um, but yeah, so that was really kind of cool to just find myself having walked all that way and I got back right as it was getting dark. So it was good timing. Zombie permaculture is the scariest book you'll ever read. I know that's saying a lot, but 
it's not only a revelation of what's at the bottom of the rabbit hole, it's also true. You can't make this stuff up. Years of research, direct paranormal experience, have shown that not only does humanity need to know what's at the bottom of the rabbit hole, the solution presented in zombie permaculture if we're going to survive it. Once it knows that we know, it's going to come harder and faster for us, and we're going to need to be prepared. Zombie permaculture will teach you what's wrong and how to fix it. scared me so bad to do the research to corroborate my thesis, stop writing, for a total of about four years, maybe even five. Trust me, this is not hype. The zombie apocalypse is real, and it's coming for you. Turns out there's a beautiful solution. It's within our reach, and it involves something that I've been doing my whole life. I know this because it's been shown to me through direct spiritual experience, as well as the research I've done. And I can tell you that there is a solution. So after we look at the scary part, I'll show you the amazing, wonderful, exciting part. Humanity has been drugged through the mud for too long. It's time for us to stand up, rise up together, shake off this horrible weight that's been holding us like this down in the mud and step into our evolutionary journey with this earth in this beautiful infinite universe. <laughs>